Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Online and on DAB Digital Radio. Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2. Hello and welcome to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2. The final week of the season, well, it's thrown us plenty to get our teeth into this week, with England wrapping up a 4 1 series win over India. And attention now on the squad to tour Sri Lanka, with Stuart Broad tipped by some to miss out. I would have dropped him last winter already. What he delivered for England in the Big Ashes series last year was was hopeless. He doesn't like touring the subcontinent. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me and it would be a very good move if they dropped him. We will hear more from Kevin Peterson later on in the programme, as well as more of the following. And that will do nicely. Great scenes here. The Worcester players sprint out to the middle. Ben Cox... What a player, a fabulous effort from him, 46 from 27. Worcestershire Rapids, T20 Blast champions. Worcestershire Crown T20 champions. And let's not forget Surrey, who ended a 16-year wait for the Division 1 title with a resounding win. It's me, John Norman, and him, Darren Goff, for the next hour. You're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. And as usual, it's me and my good friend, Johnny Norman. How are you doing, Johnny? I'm good, matey. How are you? Yeah, we're good, mate. Uh, it's been a busy few days. Busy few days, but uh, we're back on. We're on the cricket show. Something I love doing every Monday night, discussing all the ins and outs of cricket, and there's been so much that's gone on. The oh. India-England series, Johnny. You've finished now. You were, there. you were at four out of the five test matches. You were in Sri Lanka for one of them, doing a recce. So how did you see it? Well, I thought it was a terrific summer of cricket. 
if I'm being honest. I was really looking forward to this series uh, and, and I came into it just wanting to see some of those key battles, um, seeing how the narrative would play out. I hope to see some, you know, fantastic bowling, some really good batting, uh, top-notch fielding. And I just like to see the seesaw nature of the series progress. And to be honest with you, I thought it was up there. I'm, I don't think it was quite as good as some people were saying. I was reading this week, it was the best series since 2005. <laughs> I can't go with that because no. let's be fair, when England were 2-0 up with three to play, I know India came back, but they were never going to win the series. And it was a real push to think that everything would go in their way and they'd even draw it. So it didn't quite have that. It didn't have a, you know, everything hanging on every game. Um, but there was enough in there to, to take, uh, to keep me satisfied until the tests start again in November. Um, and the way the test series finished, you know, when England had gone three, one, not one to play very often, the last test match, it, it kind of passes by, but this one, because of Alistair Cook, um, because of uh, Jimmy Anderson and because India actually nearly stole a victory right at the end, it just meant that the series itself ended on an absolute high and there couldn't have been a better or more fitting way for it to finish than for uh, Jimmy Anderson to take the middle pole out the ground uh, to celebrate his uh, 260, not 264, 564th wicket and going past Glenn McGrath. It, it all came together at the end. And I think we can all say job done. Well done, England. But 4-1, mm, I think that flatters you slightly. Yeah, I think I'll agree with the flattering. Um, I, I, I think England had the advantage, obviously, in, in every game of winning the toss um, and decided whether to bat or ball. There were a couple of test matches that could have swung either way. I think what we have learned is that India are still not good enough away from home. Yes, they've improved uh, in the seam department. Um, they had an off-spinner who's a dangerous weapon wherever he goes. He's in Ashwin who wasn't 100% fit. Their seam has stepped up and, and performed, although they were really, really tired in that last test match. And uh, the batting on pitches that just offered a little bit, they're not good enough except mm. for Virat Kohli, the best player in the world. The rest of them just ain't good enough technically to handle the seam bowling of a Broad, an Anderson, a Stokes, a Curran, uh, or even Wokes uh, when he plays. So that's what we've learnt um, so far in this, well, in the series in a whole. I, I think that you could probably say the same thing about England, though. It's the, but the difference for me between the two sides, arguably, was the, the, the strength of the lower order batting. You know, India had Sharma, Shami and Bumrah, okay, three absolute tail-enders from back in the day. England, well, I mean, even Broad chipped in with a few runs in the end, coming in at number 10. Well, that might just do us a favour, come Sri Lanka, because I think you do need runs from um, your lower order. Um, it's one thing, we've, we, we do have collapses, we tend to have a collapse, but if you've got, like, two phases, the top order, and then we've got another top order, really, which is our middle order, because Curran's mm. good player, uh, yeah. Rashid can play, Ben Stokes and Butler... Definitely. So in the lower order, we have got some quality players. And in Sri Lanka, come Sri Lanka, that might actually do us a huge, huge favour, some of the players we've got uh, to look at. So that's pretty good for, from England. But we're still asking the same question. What's happening with Moeen Ali? Moeen Ali um, has, has had a great series when he's coming back into the team. After the winter, he was dropped. He wasn't going to be the first spinner. He's come back in for the last couple. And he's the first spinner again. So what have we learned? Moeen mm -hmm. Ali... He's our best spinner. Rashid is better as a backup. That's what we've learned. Well, let, let, there's quite a few 
topics to consider. Um, first off, just let's just get this to bed. I know that you've spoken to Adrian about it, but um, with Anderson going past McGrath's record, a lot has been said about where he stands in the in the in the, with the greats of the game. Alistair Cook saying he's the best player he's ever played with. Steve Harmison I was with last week, and he said, actually, over the last six years or so, Anderson's as good as anyone, and if he'd bowled with Shane Warne, then he'd have even more wickets. But Well, he wouldn't, what... because uh, Broad would have been... Uh, if uh, Sorry, uh, Shane Warne would have been bowling more overs, and he would have got a 1,000 wickets. <laughs> so that's rubbish. Um, I don't think it's helped to do that. We've always done quite well. Anderson bowled with uh, Swanee. And Swanee had a terrific record, so um, I, I, I don't agree with that at all. Um, who would you have in your team, then, if you're putting together the World eleven of all time? McGrath, uh, there's one spot left, McGrath or Anderson? Well, you'd, get, you'd have McGrath, wouldn't you? I think, I realistically. Would. I, I mean, think anyone who can chair out wickets on those Aussie pitch, pitches as well. Well, it's not that. I think with McGrath, his record away from home and at, at home are very similar. Um, I think... What we know from our bowlers, we've got two bowlers who open the bowling. The records at home are as good as anything. Uh, the records at away are just steady, aren't they? Hmm. They have, they're both average over 30, which they always say averaging under 30 is the old mark of a good performer. A good, uh, do you know what I mean? Whichever, yep. wherever you are. And both our opening bowlers have both been absolute superstars for us. Uh, average nearly 33 with a ball away from home. They're very similar. So, um that's going to be uh, one of the selection biggest headaches is can they afford to get both of them in the starting eleven? And if they can't, shall we use it as an excuse and word, use the word rest <laughs> rather than drop? That will definitely be the word they use if they leave an Anderson out or leave a Broad out. It won't be dropped, which it is. It'll be rested. Well, look, Kevin Peterson was a guest on Drive earlier this week. Uh, we're going to l- listen to a little bit of what he had to say about Broad a bit later because we want to. I want to really talk about that, about what England should do for that first Test match in Gaul uh, on Talk Sports at the start of November. But let's uh, let's just change tack slightly and let's start at the top where uh, England have got all banner of problems. Kevin Peterson talking. Uh, on drive with you and Adrian about who should open the batting for England moving forward. I think it's brilliant that Rory Burns um, is predicted to go on the tour of Sri Lanka. I think that's going to be wonderful. I mean, Jennings can't bat, I'm sorry. Um, I've probably said that before. I'm not a massive fan of Vince, if I'm honest. I think he had his chances. I like Jason Roy. He's got guts. He's got runs at the top of the order in Australia. And it's about how guys score their runs and, and what their personalities are like. And I mean, I'd be all for a guy like Jason Roy at the top of the order with Rory Burns. So that's uh, KP, as contentious as ever. Uh, look, he um, he stuck his neck out uh, a few months ago, said Jennings wasn't up to it, and I don't think any of us have seen anything that proved him wrong there. The players that he's putting forward for selection, Jason Roy and Rory Burns. Now, for those of you who are listening, screaming at your radio, yes, we know that Kevin Peterson shares an agent with Jason Roy and has shared a, a dressing room with Jason Roy and Rory Burns. But... You can also say that he knows what he's talking about with those two. Roy, I think, is a little bit of a red herring because he hasn't played any cricket. He's been injured for quite a while and he hasn't played any Red Bull stuff. He is not going. Burns probably is, but there's still this question about the top order. If Burns is going to play, let's just take it that he is, who is going to play with him? Well, that's interesting in itself. It looks like um, from... 
some of the coaching staff, it, it looked like Jennings and the chairman of selectors, Ed Smith, were hinting towards it's going to be Jennings. But they might have had a little bit of think about it and thought, mm. you know, something two left-handers at the top, a rath opening, well, a bowling and, and goal. And with Ali possibly batting at three. And Ali at three, they might be looking to change. I'll still stick by my selection, who I would go for. I would go for Vince to open the batting with Burns to, uh, because Vince is not new to the team. He's had a couple of chances and that could go against him. But, you know, some he can play. Technically quite good. I think he plays spin okay. Burns um, at the top of order with him. Then he can have Ali at three. Some people have been talking about having Bairstow at three, but he ain't got any no runs way. at five. So no I think after this winter, if he don't get any runs in Sri Lanka at five, we'll be asking the question. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Where, where's no, he going to totally bat? Agree. Do we swap Butler and Bairstow around? <laughs> and the I, other I, batsman who's got a shout, I mean, Oli Pope is... Uh, is in the front seat at the moment, yeah. uh, even though he didn't play the last few tests. But um, Liam Livingston from Lancashire, if you, you've only got to think back to just uh, last winter with England Day, he scored 200s um, in an A test over there last winter. So he's someone who I would say is on the radar as well. Attacking player, plays spin quite well. He had an injury, but he's come back well. And um, he could be the surprise uh, extra batsman in the team. Not well, the 11 in the squad. Well, I've, I've gone with you, actually. I, I, when you said about Vince opening the order a couple of weeks ago, that really struck me. I hadn't, I just hadn't contemplated that. Um, and then, funnily enough, the next day I was reading ESPN Crick Info article by Mark Nicholas, and he, uh, he was of the same opinion. So uh, I thought, well, if it's good enough for those two, I'm going to nick that idea, and uh, I've gone with that one well, as well. Well, you remember when I said Butler should open the batting uh, for Rajasthan Royals? And that yeah, worked quite well. I'm saying the same with Vince. I think Vince, whether he bats three or bats two, he's been in into a new ball straight away anyway. Well, so as far true. as I'm concerned, put him in against the new ball. Um, he might just surprise us and he might just find his uh, his home. I know he doesn't play there for Hampshire, uh, but some of the other players I've heard about being picked, Denley. Denley's done mm. opening in the man, but he bats three for Kent. So you can go out wherever you want. I mean, you've just got to find a way to get these players. If they don't think there's any natural openers out there who are good enough at the ice level against spin and seam, go for Vince. If they think we've got an absolute diamond out there who, yep, he's going to be and develop into the next Alistair Cook or whatever it may be, stick him in. But I don't think they have. I don't think there's loads out there who you're looking at, the selectors are looking at and think, he's the one we need. He's the one who's going to open the batting in the ashes at home and he's going, to get us, he's going to get us at 200s in the series. You're listening to Darren Goss Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. Online and on DAB Digital Radio, Darren Goss Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. OK, Goffey, well, we looked at the top of the order. Um, just actually quick, very briefly, you did touch on Johnny Bairstow, so let's just have a quick chat about that before we start talking about the bowlers for Sri Lanka. Johnny Bairstow's form, uh, as as we all know, is, it's, he's hit a little bit of a, a roadblock. Um, it just still doesn't seem quite quite right to me that the wicketkeeper is batting at five and you've got a specialist batsman at seven. Nope. Now, everybody's talked about how great Butler did this summer, and fair enough, he was a top scorer for England. But you know what? It, it, Ed Smith, or the English t- uh, coaching staff who put this team 11 together... We never had a problem with the number seven scoring runs. That was actually a, an area. Well, best over game runs at seven. Exactly. So we haven't we haven't created um, or s- solved a problem 
by Butler coming into the side, it's as it was. Besto scored five of his centuries at seven. He's averaging in the 50s at seven. Now, Butler's come in and he's done just as well at seven. It hasn't changed anything at all. Exactly the same, mate. The problem we've got, as you said, but they're both on a key wicket because it's the safety net. Exactly. If you're not getting enough runs, um, but you're keeping well, you keep your place. That's where I think that's... I honestly believe that's where they're both looking at. Johnny, probably more than uh, Josh. Yeah. I, I really think that. Now, Johnny has got to commit to this. Does he want to be a top five batsman? Or is he happy buying at seven and keeping wicket? Where, they've got to find out off Johnny where he actually wants to bat in the order. Because he's a very, very good player. Now, the injury's not helped him towards the end of the series. I don't think he will fit to play. And it's mm. affected him. But one of his weaknesses when he's not playing well is his footwork early doors. He gets ball through the gate a lot of times. A lot. Um, gets bowled uh, for a player of his ability. Now, I believe he is better at seven. And I think Butler will be better at five. And they'll do the same job at seven. They'll keep telling us, but Butler will win us games at seven. Bairstow will. Yeah. Bairstow totally will win us games at seven. So what we need at five is who they believe is the better batter. Now, if you listen to Michael Vaughan and all these other guys like Kevin Peterson, they all rave about Josh Butler being one. He's going to win game after game after game for England. He's going to be great in all forms of the game. Well, why is he batting seven then? I totally agree. I thought it was absolute. I thought it was almost perverse, actually. Earlier in the series, you've got Joe Root defending the debutant Ollie Pope batting at four when A, Joe Root wanted to bat at four anyway. And you've got jo Joss Butler at seven. I was sitting there thinking, hang on a second. How is this guy being thrown to the Lions on debut? He's never batted higher than six in county cricket. He's batting at four. Not one person is saying, hang on, Joss. Why don't you bat at four and this guy can come in later down the order? Because I'm sorry, I've seen enough cricket to know that very rarely do you win games of cricket batting at seven. You win a lot more games of cricket batting at four or five, setting up the win rather than trying to rescue it. I think it's absolute madness. You've got to get Butler either batting at five or Butler gets the gloves and he bats at seven and Bairstow bats properly at five because yeah. this is just I'm, I'm, I'm with you, but I, I, I honestly believe the safety net issue is there. The safety net of having keeping wicket and batting is, is it's a massive call. Um, Alex Stewart had that. Um, and if you yeah. go through a period of bad form... You know your keeping's going to keep you in the side, and I'm you will eventually get a score. And and it does happen. It happen. It happens all around the world. Um, <laughs> they always said about Gilchrist, didn't they? Moving up the order, he didn't. Stayed at seven his whole life. Averaged fifty, batting a seven. Um, and and I find him difficult to bowl at. So I'm with you. I think the keeper, whoever it is, they've got to make a decision. Is it Bairstow? Yeah. Is it Butler? And whoever the keeper is is going to bat at seven. Yeah. In our team, it just suits us better with England. No other teams I'm talking about, do you know what I mean, in Asia or, or wherever it may be, Australasia, I'm talking about in England, conditions, our keeper needs to bat seven because he almost could be going in against the second new ball or he could be going in against good spin. So we need somebody who can play there, but it's got to be our keeper. Right, well, we sorted that one. Um, let's talk about Stuart Broad, Jimmy Anderson, uh, and how you fit both of those into attack uh, against Sri Lanka. Kevin Peterson, very interesting on what he would do, saying that Broad shouldn't go to Sri Lanka. I would have dropped him last winter already. He doesn't perform that well away from home. He had one good Ashes series. 
and uh, what he delivered for England in the Big Ashes series last year was was, was hopeless. Um, and I've been on tours of the subcontinent. He doesn't like touring the subcontinent. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me, and it would be a very good move if they dropped him. Good old KP. But this is what I love about KP, and, and this is what one of the things you hear from those who shared a dressing room with KP. He's, he says what he thinks, and he can back it up, you know, and if he was here right now, so was Stuart, he'd be able to say, look, Stuart, uh, when, it, when it comes down to it, here are your figures in the subcontinent, here are your figures at the Ashes. They obviously don't stack up compared mm. to, to the brilliance of, of playing in England. But England have got a bit of a quandary here, haven't they, Goffey? Because Stokes is a certainty to, pa- to play, um, if, if fit. Sam Curran, man of the series, he will definitely play because variety. of his, his variety, the left-arm angle of attack and the fact that he's he, going to reverse. He can get the ball to reverse and he can bat. And he can bat. Jimmy Anderson almost nailed on to play. Um, now, there's no point touring Sri Lanka with four fast bowlers. So you've got to, you've got to think that Stuart is going to miss it. He's, he might be in the squad, but I, I can't see him playing that first test in goal. I honestly believe if they don't think he's going to play, they won't take him off. Um, it'll be, like I said to you, it'll be the word rested, uh, but it'll be dropped, basically. And it, it, they've been the rights to do it. And it, it's, I hate saying it because I'm a massive fan abroad. I think he's gone through so much of his career underrated yeah. as a bowler because he's, in, yeah. he's been in the shadow of Jimmy Anderson, right? He has been in the shadow big time. But that kid can bowl. He can bowl. And he has these spells which are magnificent. The 8 for 15 at Trent Bridge against Australia oh. in 2015. A spell I remember at the Wanderers 2016 yeah. uh, against South Africa. 5 yeah, for 14 yeah. that spell. He ended up with 6 for 17. He got 7 Two. for 72 at Lords. Followed up the year after with 7 for, seven, seven for 44 against uh, New Zealand. He does these spells in India at Old Trafford 2014. 6 for 25. Yes. He's capable of those spells. Now, we're not seeing it as much now. We're seeing little glimpses of it. We saw a little yeah. bit in, against India in one of the test matches this summer. But let's be honest. Let's be brutally honest, because this is what we job. If this were our job as a selector and we were sitting in the meeting now, we'd say, right, we've got a problem here. Last winter, we had in our team Broad, Anderson, Wokes. Now, Anderson, we know he's not going to go for many runs. And he's capable with a new ball and knocking over wickets, mm. right? So he has to be, he has to go. Yeah. Now we've got Wokes. As a strike bowler, he's averaging 65 on the tours he's been in. That's not good enough. But he will offer us the all rounder role. If Sam Curran or Stokes gets injured and we need a seamer rather than a spinner, Wokes yeah. is your man, right? So Wokes is in the squad. So then you think Broad. What can we do with Broad? Is he going to get in the first test at goal? We're either going to play uh, Anderson, Curran, Stokes, Rashid, Ali. So we're either going to play another spinner in Leach, yeah. or we're going to play a different type of bowler because we can't have all those side of bowlers. So we've got to play like an Ollie Stone or a Jamie Overton, that yeah. sort of bowler, right? So Broad is the easy option for anybody involved. And they can back it up. He can't come back because away from home, same as uh, Jimmy, They've only got five five wicket holes in nearly both of them have ne- played nearly 150 tests now, by the way, and they're averaging 33 so with the ball. Away from home, what what is Stuart Broad's Stuart Broad's record away from home compared to his 
Well, he averages 32.36 away from home. He's got five five-wicket holes. At home, he's averages 26.75 with 11 five-wicket holes. And he's played what? I don't know how many tests he's played. He might have played, what, 140 or something? Jimmy's probably played... Jimmy's probably paid, what, 15 more of him? He might have played 130 tests. Jimmy's got five five-wicket holes away from home at nearly at 32 and a half, right? So both of them, you can't afford to have Broad, Anderson and Wokes in your squad, you can't. There is no variety there, and all three of them have not been outstanding at home. Now, like I said, the one who's likely to take wickets with a new ball, and he's proven it his whole career, because in England, with a new ball in his hand, I've seen no one better. No one better with that Duke's ball. He's Jimmy Anderson. He's got 564 wickets. <laughs> he has to go. So, suddenly, from... Being a very difficult decision to drop Stuart Broad, who's played 123 tests, by the way, it actually it's it's almost like the the obvious decision, isn't it? Well, it is, and I ain't saying it because, like I said, I think he's been underrated for so long. Now, in the West Indies, come the West Indies to uh, some of the left-handers they have, where Broad has that weak wrist. It's not a. He's actually now got to the point where he's just going with it now, hasn't he? He can't get it to hold its line except the one against Corley. He managed to get that to hold its line and go straight on. Everything's now into the batsman, isn't it, from Broad? Yeah. And that's a technical issue that's crept into his game over the last 18 months, and he's finding it very difficult to get back on track. Now, we watched Jimmy Ball. He he could control that seam and the swing just like that, right? 564 wickets for a reason. Now, Broad is a good performer, but he's gradually, gradually he's deteriorating, right? Yeah. Jimmy... Still knocking over top orders for fun. Still knocking out the new, you know, the openers. He's doing it time and time again, and he has to play in Sri Lanka because you need to take wickets with a new ball. The the other thing that you mentioned is that we have just been around Australia watching England's very samey looking attack get uh, get pulverised really. And Jimmy Anderson would have a better record if it wasn't for the fact that uh, the Aussie batsmen knew they just had to see him off and then they could tuck into the broads and the, the wokes and the alleys and the like. Um, so they would have taken more risks against him. Now, we've now come to this English summer and all through the winter we were told, oh, we can't play wokes in English conditions, there's no point. We can't play alley in con English conditions, there's no point because when you go to Australia next or India next, the same problems will resurface. But what happened? Well, they came into the side, they did brilliantly, but we're still no closer to knowing what, what, what we can do about uh, beating Australia next time we're there or India. And that's where we have to play the likes of Jack Leach, see if he's good enough, or an Ollie Stone or a Jamie Overton. We've got to find um, these guys and give them the opportunity. And what better opportunity than in a series like Sri Lanka, when they're not going to be part of a three-man or four-man bowling attack, they're going to be part of a six-man bowling attack. Mm. So plenty of protection for them, plenty of protection for the captain. We've got to think long-term here. Um, and it's got, and unfortunately for Broad, I can't see any other way than him sitting it out and one of those new guys coming in, and that's surely the best thing long-term for England. Yeah, could be. Um, I, I still think Broad will come into the West Indies reckoning. Um, and be, I, I really do. I think I think it will be a Sri Lanka thing. It'll purely be the conditions. Yeah. Is Broad going to be effective in Sri Lanka? Can he be effective in the West Indies? I would say yes, but the problem he's got, if they do pick someone else and he does well, he'll not get back in. He'll, he'll find it difficult to get back in the side. But I'd, 
It'd be interesting to go see where the selectors go on this, because they've got some big decisions. They've got a big decision. Does Rashid stay in the 11? Is he done enough to stay in the 11? Does he knock over top orders? Is he just going to be a guy who we use in the second innings against the tailenders? I mean, and do we need Jack Leach? Can we get him into the squad? Can we get him into the 11? <coughs> Excuse me. Because he's proved he can put bowl on spinning pitches. He does that at Taunton. And he does it very, very well. I have no doubt whatsoever his performances to bowl on a turning pitch. There's a bit of pressure there. He handles it and he takes wickets. And he's probably going to turn in goal and Candy and Colombo. Mm. Bring your golf clubs, Scoffy. Could be a couple of days off. Um, <laughs> well, uh, well, we'll talk about that and more. We've got uh, all the build-up here on Talk Sport. The announcement for the ODI squad uh, of for England ahead of that Sri Lanka series expected this week and the test squad next next week. So uh, we'll be obviously talking a lot about that, uh, not just here on Cricket Week, but across on Talk Sport and Talk Sport 2. Talk Sport 2 is what you're listening to. This is Darren Goff's Cricket Week. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including... England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Online and on DAB Digital Radio, Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2. Absolutely delighted, as you can imagine. Uh, a lot of hard work over the year, um, and to get over the line is, uh, yeah, we're absolutely delighted. I think it's the one everyone wants to win, and it's the one that, uh, you know, our fans and members want us to win every year. So, uh, yeah, to, to bring it home and, and to get over the line with a couple of games in hand as well, it's, uh, yeah, it's a great thing. Morning, Morkel coming in has been a massive, massive boost for us and learning from the likes of him. Dean Algar overseas coming in, Aaron Finch, um, the older lads like Jade Dernbach, who's been playing with Surrey for his whole life, and 
to see the emotion on these guys' faces who have won the title for the first time in 16 years. It's been pretty special for us younger lads to see how much it means to them. And obviously, it means a huge lot for us. But um, these guys have waited extremely long to win a ch championship title, and we've finally done it. Very, very proud of us. We've got a wonderful group of players. We've got a wonderful management team and coaching staff led by Michael Divanutu. It, it's been a long time coming, um, but we've planned for this. You know, it's taken three or four years since I came in as director of cricket to get things right, to get things in place, and then watch the team progress. And then with progress, anything is achievable. Uh, and we've achieved something today, but we don't just want it to be a one-off. We now want to build on this year. Well, it was a proud day this week for me, that's for sure, with Surrey winning the county championship a good three or four months after Darren Goff tipped Surrey to win the county championship. Oh. It's getting a little bit uh, embarrassing, to be honest, Goffy. You, uh, so that's why I'm waiting for Ollie Stone to get back in the side yeah. for England as well. Yeah. Um, well do you know something? I've seen, I've, I saw Surrey uh, pre-season. You know, I went down there. They asked mm. me to get involved a little bit more. Yeah, you did, didn't you? I forgot about that. Yeah, I, I, I obviously couldn't uh, commit uh, to the time with TalkSport. Um, I think Ryan Sidebottom's helped a little bit. Uh, throughout this, uh, throughout the summer as well, which has been great for him, by the way, uh, to get into cricket uh, after he's played. But they've just got so many good players. They they are like the Manchester City now. I would say they used to be the Chelsea, but now it's the Manchester City. They've got so uh, they have done it so well, and they should be proud of what they're doing as well. Because people say they buy the league. You could argue that to a certain extent. They've got some big players on big wages at Surrey but do you know something their youth system has oh, been mate. a shining example I, like Worcester's has by I, the way like Sussex well, has absolutely Worcester they beat during the week and then of course won the T20 final but I think Surrey a bit more like Manchester United back in the day in the 90s when they had mm. Nicky Butt Phil Neville Gary Neville Paul Scholes David Beckham you know they, they had money to spend and they did so wisely but they also had a brilliant youth team um, and when you look at that 11 that took the field, bearing in mind Sam Curran, um, you know, wasn't in that team because, of course, he'd been playing for England. But Rory Burns, Ollie Pope, uh, Will Jacks, Ricky Clark back at the club. What a, what a comeback that's been, mm -hmm. by the way. Tom Curran, Jade Dernbach, Amal Verdi. That's seven players that's cut, that have come through the youth ranks. So... Oh, I, I, I agree with you. That's what I'm saying. So they've mm. got all these players have come through the youth, and uh, Divanito has has been brilliant with the youngsters. He he's a proper coach, isn't he? He coaches them. Um, he well, enjoys what he does. He loves yeah, he loves it as a coach, um, and he loves working with these young players. And Alex Stewart, overseeing it, the governor, it's just his perfect role, isn't it? To oversee <laughs> everything that's going on. He's so uh, proud, Try and keep everything to a budget. He's so so happy. I texted him the other day, but. The signings for me that have done this, yeah. and I said this on Drive, Ricky Clark, yeah. Warwickshire, what were they thinking? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Letting him go back to Surrey. What were they thinking? They were trying to change their older players, get rid of them, weren't they? Getting in the young players. It looked like Trop and, and Bell was going to be out of there, uh, but Bell's had an unbelievable summer, so he's uh, going to be carrying on now. But Ricky Clark's gone to Surrey, back to Surrey, and he has been outstanding. Catches pigeons at Slough. Yeah. Absolutely. He gets runs, important runs, and he gets important wickets. He's a match winner. But the biggest one of all, the signing for me that confirmed they were going to Lit win the title. Literally the biggest Morning one of all. <laughs> Morkel. Still a good test player. An absolute yeah. diamond. Retired at the top, didn't he? Five for, I think he got. Yeah. Um, five for against India. Yeah, against India. Retired at the top, right? And he's gone to Surrey. 
and he has been outstanding. He just knocks over batsmen, knocks them over with his pace and bounce, and that delivered them the title amongst all those youngsters. You've mentioned the Currens, the Olly Popes, mm. the Verdes, the Will Jacks. They had a good overseas in Dean Elgar. They had Ben Fox, who obviously people have forgot about him. What a player he is, by oh, the way, yeah. as a wicketkeeper. And backup spinner, Gareth Batty. I mean, well, what more yeah. do you want? What more do you want if you're Alex Stewart or De Benito? Quick word on Rory Burns, because I, I was having a chat with George DeBell, um, Crick Info George DeBell, about, two, about a week or so ago, and he was trying to work out uh, who he was going to put forward as his nomination for County Cricketer of the Year. And he was saying, we were talking about Surrey, and he was saying he couldn't make his mind up. I probably shouldn't be saying this, actually. He said... Um, it came down to Rory Burns, Ricky Clark, and Morning Morkel. Now, each one of them has got an absolute... You can make an argument for any one of those three. You know, Morning Morkel, who you've just, you've just described. 50 county championship wickets. Ricky uh, Clark, yeah. with that all-round approach, and that, you know, he's, he's contributed with bat, ball, and in the field. And then Rory Burns, who... This is his first season as captain, and that's a massive that's a massive deal. Five you know, thousand runs it last five years or four yeah. years. Consistency every single year, top but, of the order, and outshone his opening partner, Mark Stoneman. So well, you, tells you. Yeah. Well, you know, when um, at the start of the season, I'll, I'll be honest with you here. When I heard that Rory Burns had, had accepted the captaincy, a very small part of me thought to myself, you know, when you consider the size of that job, captaining a, a, a club like Surrey. Part of me thought, well, I wonder if he's kind of given up his England aspirations. Because sometimes when you take the captaincy of a county side, you've, you're really being quite selfless, aren't you? You are, you are basically saying, I'm going to invest all of my life, not just in my own form as a batsman, but for the good of my county. And we've seen in the past, some players, it's just been too much for them, you know? And not only have they struggled with the bat, they've struggled with the job and... You know, any chance of making it to England has gone. But Rory Burns, his batting has actually improved with the responsibility. And you need that... a character at Surrey to captain. It's like having somebody at Yorkshire. He's got to be a proper character because look who they've had in the past. It's, they've been real characters. Gareth Batty. They've had Adam Oliok. When they had some great players, when Adam Oliok was there, young lad captain of Surrey with all those great players. Uh, that were around him, and he captained them really, really well. And then Alex done it himself. So they've had some massive, massive names at Surrey County Cricket Club. So for him to take that job on from Gareth and Andal, I think what's helped him is having all those young players around him as well. Yeah, I, I think that's been a big bonus. And then the players have got a ridiculously good pros: the Ricky Clarks, Morney Morkel, um, Ben Fox, Mark Stoneman. They're all good pros, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. You don't, you, there's no trouble there whatsoever. So, terrific season for Surrey. Deserved it. I'm pleased for them, the Brown Atters, even though they've uh, nearly, they're only about 30 titles behind Yorkshire, but uh, they are the nearest enemy. So, uh, <laughs> when it comes to it, because Lancashire, it looks like they're going the other way, doesn't it? So, well, um, yeah, are, they, are they longer the enemy anymore? Are they, are, they, are they any more the enemy now for Yorkshire? Because the way they've performed, I, I've been shocked totally. Um, how bad Lancashire have been. I thought they'd turned the corner about three years ago and they seem to have gone backwards. Well, Paul Allett, uh, who's back at the club, uh, is quite an entertaining person to follow 
on uh, on Twitter, by the way. I don't know if you do so, but he's been having a bit of a war of the, not war of the roses, war of the words with some uh, disgruntled Lancashire fans because, you know, at one stage, it looked like Yorkshire, your old boys that were going to be in a bit of trouble. Well, Lancashire that's a concern, Yorkshire. Listen, I, I don't think everything's rosy there. Um, I've not liked the way they've been doing things now for probably about five years. Um um, so um, you see, I don't think it's all rosy there. I think there's still a few issues, but that win against Lancashire, when it looked like Lancashire pro- could probably win that game, their first innings lead was massive, absolutely huge. Um, so well done to them and getting that victory. It was a much needed win um, at home. But Lancashire, I, I have been surprised because Chappie, I've seen him coaching. He's a good coach, but something's going wrong somewhere. They should not be down where they are, and they just keep losing. Just keep losing. Um, just going back to Surrey momentarily because uh, Alex Stewart was uh, uh, obviously uh, someone that was at the um, the heart of the renaissance uh, at the club and uh, talk sports James Savindra caught up with him at Worcester uh, following that uh, dramatic victory for Surrey that clinched their first county championship in 16 years very very proud of us we've got a wonderful group of players we've got a wonderful management team and coaching staff led by Michael Divinutu. It, it's been a long time coming, um, but we've planned for this. You know, It's taken three or four years since I came in as director of cricket to get things right, to get things in place, and then watch the team progress. And then with progress, anything is achievable. Uh, and we've achieved something today, but we don't just want it to be a one-off. We now want to build on this year and try and win it again next year and the year after. So it's going to take a lot of hard work, but this group likes to work hard. So it's well led by the coach, Michael Divinuta, and it's well led by our captain, Rory Burns. And if we do that, we've got a chance of being a very, very good team for a period of time. When you won the title in 2002, did you think it was going to take 16 years to win the next one? No, ideally not. You know, I packed in in 2003, but I'm, you know, a Surrey person through and through, a massive Surrey fan. Uh, and then you watch from afar and, you know, you, you're hoping that, that the team will win things and, and they haven't. They won the, the Clydesdale Cup in 2000, when was it, 10 or 11? They got relegated, got promoted and those types of things. But it's about winning the championship and being competitive. And now we are. We've got to make sure we keep building and try and improve on this um, because I say it's a wonderful group of people that are involved in this club currently, both on and off the field. Uh, we're playing nice cricket. We're providing players for England, uh, which is a, a county's job. Um, and we've got to make sure, I say, this isn't a one-off year. We want to be talking to you next year and the year after, ideally. Is it safe to say the club are getting things right now on and off the field? You look at periods where down in Division 2 and, and things weren't going your way, sort of high-profile signings like Graham Smith, for instance. But now, you look at Surrey now, you've got young players coming through, potentially playing for England. We've seen Sam Curran, Ollie Pope this year and hopefully Rory Burns this winter. Yeah, exactly. And it takes planning. It doesn't just happen overnight. And you don't want short-term fixes. You know, we've tried to get in place something that will work for a period of time. So you're almost talking about building a house, but you're building foundations where you've got a real strong base and then you can build on top of that. And, that, and that's what we're doing. Um, we just to say we will lose players to England, but we want to do that. But again, we want to make sure we've got pe- good people to come in underneath to then earn the right to play in our first team. Alex Stewart there, Director of Cricket at Surrey County Cricket Club, champions of the uh, County Championship Division 1 for 2018, speaking with TalkSport 2's James Savindra. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, another trophy win uh, very shortly here on TalkSport 2. Uh, Worcestershire claiming the Vitality T20 Blast in thrilling fashion at the weekend. Online and on DAB Digital Radio. Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Top Sport 2. 
and that will do nicely. Great scenes here. The Worcester players sprint out to the middle. Ben Cox, what a player. A fabulous effort from him. 46 from 27. Worcestershire Rapids, T20 Blast champions. I thought that quarterfinals uh, playing at home, I thought that was a tough one for us mentally. And uh, we managed to get over that. And then I, I knew today that we're going to play our best cricket. And I still feel we can get better. But um, we were amazing today. We won the crucial moments in the games. Worcestershire and England's Moeen Ali speaking there and uh, David Lloyd calling it home. Pleased to say Joe Clark uh, joins us now. That must sound, uh, must sound pretty good, Joe, after what's, uh, what must be a very memorable 24 hours or so. Yes, um, there's some sore heads in Worcester this morning from the players <laughs> and, and fans. But um, yeah, it's uh, a great day yesterday and it's just a pleasure to be involved and to, to come out you know, with a trophy and... Um, for the fans that, that travel um, was, yeah, it was an immense feeling. Joe, I know you've had a good season um, as a team in one-day cricket, but if we're going to be honest, and um, you boys probably know this as well, and it probably helped you, out of the four teams that went to finals day, a lot of people, right or wrongly, would have seen Worcester as the underdogs, wouldn't they? Yeah, and it's, I think it's probably because Worcester's sort of seen as a, as a small club still. Um, I mean, we've not had the best of years in, in championship cricket, but we finished top of, of the one-day competition and our T20 group. So in white ball cricket, we're actually a very dangerous mm. side. And um, I think hopefully now um, sides will look at us and, and sort of think that as well, sort of as um, in the next couple of years going forward. What, uh, what kind, when you went out to, to bat with, uh, with Moeen, is he a talker between deliveries? Is it, when you walk into the crease, does he chat or does he just lead by example? I mean, it makes me relaxed just watching it, you know, either in the press box or, uh, or at home. He, he's such a, a, an unruffled figure. Does that rub off on the team? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's been quality for all of us. Um, since he's sort of come back, he's played probably more games for Worcester this year than any other year. Um, and he's just, yeah, as you said, he's, he's such a relaxed character. He speaks very well to the group. And I guess when, when you're batting with him, he's, um, he's, he's so calm himself, but he also encourages us to be positive and, and back yourself. And that's what he does as well. You know, it's um, his attitude on how he sees cricket. And, you know, he, he faced Livingston in the semi final. He said, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take him down. <laughs> and he goes and does that, and it, and it reflects on everyone else. And I think it sort of gives everyone else that belief that they can do that as well. So he, he's he's been brilliant for for the group. Do you know? So in the final, when you uh, Sussex after the way Sussex played in that semi final, which was a big score, wasn't it? Two over two hundred they got. Yeah. Um, and, and and I thought their bowling attack when they got one five seven. Realistically, I thought, I tell you what, it, it's gettable this, but. Sussex bowling attack is fr pretty, pretty impressive. You've got Jordan, haven't you? You've got Mills, you've got Archer. Um, so they're pretty impressive there, uh, bowling attack. How, how were you feeling when you went out to bat chasing down 157? Yeah, I mean, I'll credit to our bowlers. It was it was a real great effort from them to keep them. So only 150-odd. Um, and, and actually, Mo, Mo spoke to me just before we went out and just said, look, use the pace, um, there's no need to try and slog these lads. You know they're they're going to be bowling quicker than what we face in the, in the group stage games, um, in the semi-finals. So just play proper cricket shots and you'll get rewards. And 
and that's what we both tried to do and get through the, the first six power play being sort of 50 for none was a good platform for us to to go and chase that score and then obviously he carried on the momentum from that and, and then Ben Cox played a, another fine innings to get us over the line. I was going to talk about Ben Cox actually because you know when Moeen went you know 90 for four that that was when Sussex believed they could get back into the game and it's been a tough week or so for, for Ben you know he was uh, on Twitter about a week ago saying how you know, disappointed he was to be dropped from the last uh, county championship game against Surrey but uh, what a way just to uh, just to show himself and his team that he can uh, he can, can provide uh, such a, a monumental momentous innings when when required when called upon yeah i mean he's he's had a he's had a day out uh, to remember for you know the rest of his career and yeah i think he was he was really hurt by the decision that the coaches made to to leave him out for the last game and i think they just maybe been frustrated by the fact that he hasn't been using his, his the talent that he has in in the Red Bull format um, with the bat. And you know, I, I I said to him yesterday, you know, I said how quickly it can change. You can you can be left out at the start of the week thinking, you know, I'm not, not much is going to happen for me for the rest of the summer, um, and then suddenly you get to finals day and you have two great games on TV in front of a packed house, and suddenly you have a different view on things. So. Um, that's how the game goes, and I'm sure that he, he's sort of on cloud nine at the moment, and he's um, you know can't can't believe you know the performances that he's put in for us yesterday. I tell you what, somebody else, um, the old team deserves credit, by the way. Um, but what about Pat Brown? Uh, still a young lad. Um, his change of pace was excellent in the two games. Hardly went for any runs uh, over the two matches. Um, what, what what can we say about him? Yeah, well, I'm sure obviously as a as a unbelievable ball yourself it's obviously nice to see someone like that so young mm. coming on and, and using all these skills at such a young age I mean he's come from nowhere really he played a couple of games last year where he'd come in he sort of ran in tried to bowl as quick as he could and, and actually went the distance and then played a few white, uh, one day games at the start of the year was sort of hit and miss again and then Bowled our last over against Kent in the semi-final of a one-day um, competition and and got hit and we lost the game and he was gutted about it and he and he came back for the T20 stuff and um, he's just been no no one's been able to hit him I haven't seen one batter with a solution to hitting his knuckle balls um, he bowls them he he always seems to be putting them in the right areas and then he surprises you with a bumper that's you know at your at your sort of badge on the helmet and um, he keeps the bat, bat is guessing, and, and he's hopefully, you know, he, he can get himself on some sort of overseas placement or something this this winter and go and take those skills to a new level. Brilliant stuff. Well, look, I'll Joe, tell you, Joe oh, sorry, can I just Joe, ask you though quickly because obviously I'm good friends with Kevin Sharp. I made my debut many, many years ago with Kevin uh, in the team. What's he been like? I mean, Steve Rhodes was an excellent coach, did a great job there at Worcester, especially with the youth, and that you're benefiting from that now uh, as a club. But Kevin Sharp, he's a great lad, isn't he? Hilarious yeah, to have yeah, around. I've, yeah, I've known Sharpie for a few years now before he sort of took over. Um, from from Bumpy, and as you said, Bumpy was great. And I think Kev's sort of the best thing I think Kev's done is sort of not try to change anything that we've been doing in the last few years. I think, as Lad sort of said yesterday, it's been building for a couple of years now. And um, I think Kev was 
just eager to try and not change a thing and just keep what we had going. And um, and he's done that. And we've brought in Alan Richardson and Alex Kidman, and they've done the same. And they're they're all very committed coaches. And um, it was just it's just a great day for the club to pick up the trophy yesterday. Um, yeah, I'm sure everyone's delighted about it. Brilliant stuff, Joe. Um, well. Get your head down tonight, matey. It's uh, no doubt it was a, a late one last night, but appreciate your time tonight. Yeah, no worries. Thank you for having me. Well done. Yeah, well done. Brilliant stuff. I mean, uh, real neutrals. For those of us uh, who didn't have a, a team to support in finals day, Worcestershire, especially when you've got Murray and Ali involved, uh, they, they they were the neutrals choice, I suppose, Goffey. Yeah, they were. And uh, like I said, pleased for him, uh, the connection there with Kevin Sharp. And uh, I know what he's like in the dressing room. He laughs at anything. He's such a funny bloke, and uh, he would have been loving it uh, last night. Uh, I actually texted him uh, not long uh, not long ago, a couple of hours ago, and he's, he's over the moon, and, and he deserves some success. Uh, I was disappointed he, he left uh, Yorkshire a few years ago. He's very popular amongst the, uh, the lads, the batsmen, but he's worked his way back into the game, a second-team coach at Worcester, and now uh, the head coach um, after, the, uh, obviously, Steve Rhodes left. Um, f- obviously for some um, well reasons we don't want to talk about, but mm. um, he left. But Kevin's done a great job, and uh, he- he's paying he's paying dividends the work that Steve Rhodes did before him. Brilliant stuff. Uh, big retirement this week. I mean, it's that time of the year, isn't it? Unfortunately, some players released from their counties. Uh, saw a raft this week, but uh, also uh, we're not going to be seeing a very familiar face, uh, certainly in the Durham part of the country. Paul Collingwood, I thought he was going to stick around for another couple of well, years. Do you know something? Um, a legend, Collie, really. I mean, to play that many years as one club, I, I think he got he went on probably a year too long. Uh, this year, was it's just been like a, a send-off, hasn't it? Uh, 23-year career. I think he's going to stay in the game. He'll go straight into coaching, wherever that may be. You might be able to tell me about the Scotland job. I'm sure someone left there not long ago. I think that'll be available, whether he wants to go into something like that to start. Or he will be just like a third assistant with England or um, or, or Durham. Um, some Something with Durham. He'll stay in the game. He'll stay in coaching. He loves the game. He loves being around the lads. A great tourist. And I played with him when he first came into the scene, his debut one-day series against Australia when we were getting battered. And I remember him coming in in middle order and he wasn't quite sure if he was going to be good enough, you know. He was really hard on himself and I told mm-hmm. him, listen, just keep believing, keep believing, play your game, play your way. And he went on and he proved people he was good enough over the years because there was probably better players technically, better players technically than him at the time, but I'll tell you what, a fighter, a fighter and... Uh, that 200 he got will probably be his highlight in Adelaide. Well, um, I was there. I, yeah. I saw every ball. I was standing on Clem Hill. Uh, we won't talk about what happened on day five. But, oh, no. uh, it was, but we, a double you know against what? Australia, two... mate, in Australia is pretty oh, good mate. effort. And he's mate, a three, three like times Ashes winner, Johnny. If you, ca- if you count the one test and the four runs he got oh, yeah. in 2005, but he, <laughs> he won it in... Seven two, runs, I think it was. Seven, 2009 and 2010-11. Amazing. <laughs> he took fielding to another level for England. He was a well, first that catch to amazing, dismiss yeah. Matthew Hayden. Backward point, was it? Yeah, he was the first real absolutely uh, brilliant fielder. And for Durham, the last one to come into the county game, county champions three times. So, uh, And he's been a big part of that. So well done, Collie, and enjoy your retirement. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, 
you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 